Here's my gift to you. Yeah, let's open up in prayer as we seek God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the giver of all good gifts. Every single thing that we have ever enjoyed, we have because you have given to us to enjoy us that we might behold your glory with a sense of awe and wonder. Thank you that you have provided the ultimate gift in the Lord Jesus Christ, who truly is good news for all of the people, our Saviour. We pray as we look at today the gift that keeps on giving, uh, that we might be renewed in our zeal and our appreciation for what you have entrusted to us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So Christmas is over. The excitement or the stress has come to an end. If you've got kids, or if you were one, which incidentally even the oldest of you were at some point, you realise that even the gift that you thought was the most perfect, exciting gift on Christmas Day, sometimes they get really, really, really quickly forgotten. Like you might think, this year I have nailed it. I've got the perfect gift. They're going to love it. They're never going to tire of it. Only to find out that the same thing happened that happens every other year. And you think, why bother? Why bother? It seems there's no such thing as a perfect gift. Now on Christmas Day we looked at Isaiah chapter 9 and that prophecy that was given about the sun who was given for us, for our benefit, of the better gift from the better giver that leads to a better Christmas. Essentially summarised in the famous verse of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God has given his perfect only Son to bear our penalty for our dishonouring of him. But death could not hold him down. He was raised on the third day, seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling, and will one day return. We're not just only forgiven. We don't just receive his righteousness and his benefits. We receive Christ. We receive Jesus himself. Which leads us to the question, does this better gift, is it subject to the same shortcomings of all the other gifts? Is it something that soon will be forgotten by those who receive it? The simple answer is no, and this morning we're going to look at it does not depreciate, comes with a lifetime guarantee, and sharing this gift actually multiplies the gift. So firstly, does not depreciate. Now, when I was talking about depreciation, you could mean that in two different ways. You could talk about the experience or the enjoyment depreciating or the value or the worth depreciating. And in both cases, this gift of Jesus Christ does not depreciate. Now, I remember getting my first car, 1988 VL Commodore, known affectionately as the Silver Bullet, Try as much as I could to find a picture of it, I couldn't, so I had to do my best, and that was my second car, my VT Commodore. No surprise, I'm a Holden man, particularly with this reference in the Christmas sermon. But I love that car. It got washed once a week, every week. 
It even got polished maybe twice a year. I loved it. I always liked the car, even to the moment to which I sold it. I still love that car. But I wouldn't say I was as excited or enjoyed it as much towards the end of my ownership as it was at the beginning. During the time I owned it, I spent a fair bit of money doing certain modifications to it to, to add to its enjoyment. But again, they were exciting at first, but they kind of faded off again. So does our experience of receiving Jesus, does it kind of fade in its enjoyment over time? Should we expect the same? Well, the answer to that question is no and yes. You think, why on earth would you put a yes in there? You're supposed to be a pastor of a church. I mean, it's no, but it can do. We have the ability to lose our appreciation of absolutely anything that we have. But it needs not lose its enjoyment, nor should it. Because unlike my VL Commodore, I will never plumb all of the depths of the riches that I have in Christ, not even right up until the day in which I die. We've been told we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. And the more you discover, the more you come to know him, the more you find that you enjoy and love him. As Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God." He prayed that they would be strengthened in power by his spirit, strengthened to know the height, the depth, the width, to know him more. He says, that's how you grow. That's how you grow into the fullness of God, to know him more intimately. The more you know him, the more you enjoy him. My prayer for myself, my prayer for all of us, is that we might agree alongside the psalmist, At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence there is fullness of joy as we seek him. The experience of having Christ does not depreciate. In fact, if I was to cast into a side, I'd be the exact same dark, hollow person I was before. But also, his value and worth never depreciates. You hear the old saying that when you buy a new car, it reduces in value by thousands the moment you drive it away from the dealership. But this Jesus whom we've spoken of in Matthew chapter 28 is the one who announces himself as one with all authority in heaven and on earth. When we first receive him, he's the one with all authority in heaven and earth. As we continue with him down the track, he's still the one with all authority in heaven and earth. He does not depreciate it. He's never superseded. He doesn't lose his value. There is no rival. And the salvation which he bought for us comes at a price that cannot be matched either. He bought us with a 
precious blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God. The people who were saved in AD 120 were saved by the precious blood of Jesus. The people who were saved in 2020 and beyond were saved by the same precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus never depreciates in the experience of knowing him, in his worthiness and his value. In fact, the more we know him, the more we enjoy him and we see his value and his worth. And Jesus and his salvation come with a lifetime guarantee. Now, whenever I get something valuable, the thing I'm always worried about is, what if something happens to it? We're not a rich family. If it's something important and worth a bit of money, we're probably not going to be able to replace it easily. My favourite words to find on a product is lifetime guarantee. Most of the time. Because sometimes lifetime guarantee doesn't mean what you think it means. Because I think my lifetime, it's guaranteed, but sometimes when people say lifetime guarantee, they mean the lifetime of that product. In other words, we'll guarantee it for as long as you think this sort of product should last for. So if a glow stick came with a lifetime guarantee, by that measure, it might have a lifetime guarantee of one to two days. When I speak of Jesus having a lifetime guarantee, I'm talking a forever guarantee. We're told in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, when we place our trust in Jesus, we receive his promised Holy Spirit who is our our seal, God's mark of his ownership, that we are his precious possession. But he's also the guarantee of our inheritance. Paul uses that same language again to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1.22 and 5 verse 5. He is our guarantee and God's guarantees are good. Or to take the language from Matthew chapter 28 that we had read beforehand, he is with us not until we fail a certain set of terms and conditions. He is with us until the end of the age. If there's anything that I have ever had that needed a lifetime guarantee, my relationship with Christ is probably top of that list. You know how when you've got something, as within a warranty period, it breaks and you think, do I put in a claim because... What I've done is probably not within the terms of what you should do for the warranty. Like you've got a hedge trimmer, it's within its warranty. And you don't own a chainsaw, but you've got this big oak tree that needs to get chopped down. So you decide to use your hedge trimmer and surprise, surprise, it doesn't quite work as good as it used to. And you think, well, I'm not going to claim on that guarantee. It's not like that. Jesus' salvation is because... We failed to honour him. We needed his salvation. We failed to honour him as God. We were liable before the God who has given us life and breath and everything. And after I came to know him as my saviour, sadly I look at my life on a daily basis. There are moments when I fail to give him the honour to which he's due. Sadly I have given him every reason to say enough is enough. Tear up the guarantee. But I have learnt, as we read about in Paul's letter to the Romans, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. 
Not that we should abuse that, but in our times of need, when we recognise our failing, his grace is sufficient. He will surely never leave nor forsake those who have truly come to him in faith. He's the gift that keeps on giving the enjoyment of him, seeing and savouring his value, his worth, his never-ending love, grace and assurance. But he doesn't just give for our own selfish benefit. Sharing this gift actually multiplies the gift. Now, I've got two daughters, aged four and six. Sometimes they're good at sharing. Sometimes they're terrible at sharing. And particularly if it's a new gift. They're not that keen to share something they've only just received because to share a present or a gift or a toy, whatever it is, means you have to be without it for a little while so that the other person can have it. Jesus and his message are meant to be shared but the good news is you don't have to be without it in order for somebody else to have it. It's not like your Cadbury share packs where if you buy a thing that's got 24 chockies in it, you give 12 of them away, then you're missing out on 12 chocolates. Although incidentally, as I search for that image, I've noticed what seems to be that Cadbury has changed the wording from share packs to value packs because we don't like to share, we just want to get good value. But what we see in Jesus Christ in Matthew is the one who says, I will be with you to the end of the age. I am the one with all power and authority in heaven and on earth. Go and share me. Go and share the good news about me. Part of being his disciples, which you are if you're a Christian, is that you are a disciple maker. And when you've found what the angels announced to be the good news, which is of great joy for all people, the Saviour, you naturally want others to experience. You ask my kids what they got for Christmas, they'll quite excitedly tell you all about it. You ask someone who's passionate about a particular cause, a diet, a fad, ask Pete Evans about something, he'll tell you all about it. What you're passionate about, what you enjoy, what you're excited about, we talk about And as we share Jesus, we lose nothing. If anything, we gain in the experience and the joy of seeing God at work, proclaiming his message, transforming people through his message, through ordinary, everyday people like you and I. And the person who receives Jesus, they get it all too. They get everything that you have. Or to take the language, go back to Isaiah 9 that we looked back on Christmas Day. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Even some 700 years before he is born, says he will continue to increase his rule and peace in this world. On the throne of David over his kingdom, to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. How do I know this will happen? Because the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Or as Jesus taught in a number of his kingdom parables, he spoke of being like a mustard seed that grows into something big. Or leaven, which which leavens the whole loaf as it grows and expands from something small. His kingdom and his rule to be shared with all, 
we see growth and increase because the zeal of the Lord of hosts will surely do this. The same good news that changed your life will change others. It's the same gospel, the same power of God for salvation. The same joy and blessing that you receive is the same one that you invite others to receive as they come to know the Saviour, the King of this world. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving, giving joy and blessing as we seek him and to know him. He is the gift that keeps on giving his abundant grace and love and assurance despite our consistent failure. He is the gift that keeps on giving the exact same salvation, the exact same joy, the exact same grace, love and forgiveness and assurance to others as we share him with them. Let's close and give thanks to God. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the perfect gift, the one that does not depreciate, the one that comes with a, with a certainty and a guarantee, the one that, of which we lose nothing when we share and we allow others to experience all of the joy and blessings that come with having Christ. Lord, we We thank you for what you have given us. Cause us to be a people who seek you with all of our heart, that we might search diligently to seek more of the riches which you have already given us in Christ, that we might know them, enjoy them, give you thanks, and naturally proclaim your wonders to those who are around us, that they might too might be set free from darkness, from their sin, from death, from Satan and brought into the joy of a union with their creator, the one for whom they were created for. We thank you that you have done this, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.